0: My name is Bernard Garrett, and I'm your host of the Apartment Investor Series podcast, where I provide an in the trenches look at the multifamily real estate market. I have been fortunate for nearly 25 years as a broker to learn from and witness what super successful apartment investors have been doing with their investment properties. This podcast highlights how the experts are maximizing their multifamily investing. Let's get started. Good afternoon. We're here with Patrick Donley, the expert real estate podcaster for the Millennial Investing Podcast. How are you today, Patrick? I'm doing great, Bernie.
1: It's great to be here and uh, excited to talk.
0: Absolutely. So you've got an extremely uh, popular real estate podcast. Can you tell us about it?
1: Yeah, so it was it was called the Real Estate One Hundred and One Podcast. It's now called the Millennial Investing Podcast, and it the focus is on real estate. So I've been doing it since about January. Um, I've had I'm really big on real estate Twitter. We were talking before the interview started that yeah. uh, I'm a huge fan of real estate Twitter. Uh, spend a lot of time there, mostly lurking, but also trying to contribute, but. It's a great community. I, I mean, I don't know of how many of your listeners are um, on real estate Twitter, but I would really suggest it. Um, but I get most of my guests from there. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a really open community. I think I was telling you, it's just like really giving people, kind of sharing their secret sauce of what they're up to, not holding the playbook close to their chest, but really um, being very giving and like kind of having this abundance mentality in a lot of ways that uh, is refreshing to see. So Yeah. yeah. A lot of great people, and I just kind of follow my interests of uh, what I'm interested in. And um, there's so many interesting aspects of real estate. So it, there's just like kind of an endless amount of guests that are out there that uh, have, you know, can provide value. So,
0: yeah. And what, well, let's, what are your recent interests with real estate? So lately,
1: my wife and I, just personally, if you want to get into that. Yeah, uh, sure. Historically, I've been renovating homes down in like the last part of Columbus, Ohio, which is where I live, Mm -hmm. which is like the last area to be that hasn't been gentrified. So it's like really rundown area. I got involved in it really kind of early on in 2014 Mm -hmm. when nobody wanted to be there. And I kind of like assets like that, that people despise and you know, that there's a ton of stuff you could buy below replacement costs. I was buying homes for $10,000 and, um, you know, you can't do that now, but, uh, I spent most of my time just renovating homes. I did a kind of a apartment conversion, apartment conversion to condos, Mm -hmm. um, down there, uh, just a lot of projects like that, but have recently segued, got married. Uh, my wife is a therapist and we have two office buildings where, I don't know if you're familiar with salon lofts, but it's like they rent out individual spaces to hairdressers. Okay. We have the same concept where we we own office buildings. We've got 38 offices, and it, you know, rent out individual space to mental health therapists that are mm-hmm. in private practice. But yet, like we try to create a sense of community as well. Like we have a this event called shrink tank. So it's instead of shark tank, it's Shrink Tank. my wife runs it. And it's just talking like having a chance of for everybody to get together, talk best practices Mm -hmm. and try to try to create a sense of community, share maybe problems that they're having or references, you know, that, you know, to what other therapists that they might want to recommend to somebody else, um, Mm -hmm. things like that. So that's what we're up to. We just finished a about a nine month renovation on a building in uh, a really historic part of Columbus called German village mm-hmm. and super happy with how it turned out, but it's called open sky spaces. And uh, that's what we've been up to recently. And we we will see how it goes. We may do more, but um, we've got, we've both got full-time jobs and uh, a lot on our plates. So yeah. it takes a lot out to, to do these projects. Like it, it's a, you know, very, you know, there's a lot involved in, in doing the renovation, but at the end, you know, when it's finished, there's a lot of value added and um, yeah, we can go into further kind of the, the building if you want or anything like that. we got some good deals on the projects, you know, people I think right. in general shy away from offices Yeah, right for a good reason.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that the office sector has been, you know, everybody's saying, It's a horrible place to be and yet yeah you're you're really talking about whenever there's dysfunction in a market there's opportunity right
1: exactly yeah exactly and so you know a big part of that is just finding a niche and we've Mm -hmm. found a niche that works people want to be face-to-face with their therapist. I mean, during COVID, we were concerned about the telehealth kind of hurting us, but that Mm -hmm. didn't happen. We were a little surprised, but um, people still wanted to meet with their therapist face-to-face. And um, yeah, so I, I, you know, I I think depending on what niche you're in, office space can be horrible. But but there's also, we've got both of them at really great prices as a result, because Mm -hmm. Um, nobody wanted to touch these offices, but they worked for our purposes. We were able to add a lot of value to them, which we like, Right. Um, you know, buying them at a pretty cheap price, add value, and then kind of do our business model of, of just running out to, to these therapists.
0: Yeah. We're having a huge issue and controversy about city employees. And a lot of them are not in the back in the office. Yeah. Um, And a lot of downtown is vacant right now. Right. And, People are really afraid of, um, you know, the office sector. Yeah. So that's really cool that you found a way to have value where people want to actually be in the office.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, It's been good so far. So knock on wood, it, it continues. But um, yeah, I mean, I think by and large, downtown office space is mm-hmm. probably not an area that maybe right now people want to focus on, I see a lot of stuff on Twitter, like office to residential conversions, like right, maybe right. that kind of idea taking place. Those are hard to do, like retrofitting yeah. an office to residential. Can, there's a lot of challenges with that, but uh, it's definitely intriguing. Like if you can buy, again, I think in yeah. anything, it just comes down to buying it at, at the right price. And if you can make the numbers work, then, you know, there's definitely always opportunity out there.
0: Right. And are you still, are you still renovating houses?
1: No, no. So I, I've completely stopped doing that. I sold the last of my rentals just about two weeks ago, actually. Yeah. And so, um, did a reverse ten thirty one into this office building that we recently Mm -hmm. bought and yeah, so I'm done renovating homes. It's actually, I was getting a little burned out on, on the whole process. Right. And, uh, this has been a good change. So, um, Working together with my wife has been good. She's got her skill set. Mm-hmm. I've got my skill set of renovating the place. Um, and she's really great with kind of the people, people stuff of just creating community, getting therapists right. in there. And um, yeah, so we've, in fact, we just had like, we just launched a website just this past week and have had, I think, three or four people already just, you know, reach out to us to, yeah. to rent space. So the demand is there and we're just going to, you know, see where it goes.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. And a lot of uh, my clients over the years have gone from a similar path where they were renovating houses, yep. a bunch of houses, and then said, wow, this is so much work. Yeah. Let's, just, let's just upgrade to the next level, which is apartments. Yeah. yeah. And, and in, in the Pacific Northwest, the apartments have become so expensive where it's hard to find those value-add deals where you get a low enough price to justify it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, but it, it sounds like you're doing something similar uh, except to... Uh, your niche office space.
1: Yeah, exactly. I do think that is kind of a common progression, just kind of get your feet wet and learn, you know, that was my philosophy is just like learn cheaply. The place, uh, my first homes were like super cheap. So it was like cheap education and just learn how to renovate a building. Like it, you know, it's a good skill to have. And uh, I felt like once you knew how to do, a home, you could do. You know, it, it applies to whether in its office built in an office building or whatever. Right. There's a lot of carryover. So, but I do think that's kind of the graduation is from residential to more commercial stuff.
0: It makes perfect sense. Well, speaking of your podcast uh, guests and the secret sauce, what are some of the biggest secret sauce tips that jump out at you that you've really learned from? There's a guy that
1: I really like. Uh, he's kind of controversial. His name is Nick Huber on on Twitter. Yeah. He, he's known as, uh, his handle is The Sweaty Startup. Okay. Um, and his his whole thing is, is primarily uh, self-storage. So mm-hmm. he early on just kind of gave his entire playbook, shared all of his numbers, shared exactly what he was doing. Just kind of like the whole idea of building in public is, I think, a really good strategy to show mm-hmm. people what you're up to. And you attract like the people that are that are into what you're into, so you kind of right. develop these natural fans um and so he's done that I think people have been super appreciative of just you know his open openness and honesty and he takes dms and will you know I think is just very giving you mm-hmm. know as a result he's got like over three hundred thousand followers, which is you know it's significant
0: absolutely yeah
1: and from that platform, he's since launched. I think within the last year, I just had him on our show a month or so ago. I think he's launched like six or seven businesses, like like ancillary kind of real estate related businesses mm-hmm. that uh, you know that he's using the distribution of Twitter to to launch you know really successful businesses. One of them is a we were talking earlier before we hit record was a uh, a cost segregation company. Okay, it's all, you know like. I don't know what their revenues are, but they've been doing it about a year. And I think it's close to $2 million in revenue already within a year. That, that, and what he'll do is just partner yeah. with people who have you know, specialized knowledge and he'll right. take an equity stake. Um, but yeah, that's one, one guy that, that comes to mind. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that, that, that are on Twitter that, you know, whatever. I, I interviewed a guy yesterday that he's called a wedding venue guy. Okay. So young guy, yeah. he, yeah. he's doing the wedding venues and, you know, same thing. He just like shares every, all of his numbers, what his revenue is each weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, renderings of the, what, what the event space looks like. Yeah. I mean, just, there's a lot of people that are doing that that if you follow along, you can learn a ton and mm-hmm. uh, I love it. I just got to be careful. Like I I kind of fall prey to the shiny object syndromes. Right. So there's everybody sharing what they're up to and, um, yeah, I got to be careful with that, not only on Twitter, but also like doing the podcast. I'm you know, bringing on guests that are everybody's up to interesting stuff. So, right. um, you know, as, as we were talking, like the key is kind of finding your niche and, and just staying focused, though.
0: Yeah, I like that. I, um, uh, that. You know, so many times people get in that trap where they think that, uh, you know, knowledge, the control is the power. And mm-hmm. if you keep things quiet, that you'll keep control and power, and what you're saying is these guys are doing the opposite they're getting more power by being open yeah and that's more absolutely influence. right,
1: and you know they're raising they're raising money they're finding lps mm-hmm. for some of the you know these projects like it's really incredible the uh the growth and one guy said that he twitter had like advanced his career by like twenty years, like where he's at wow. now as a i don 't know he's probably mid to mid thirties, but he he really felt that Twitter had advanced his reach by 20 years, just by getting, you know, out there and building in public.
0: Interesting. So they they would just post on the real estate Twitter, Um, Pete, about what they're doing and people would be interested or how did that work?
1: Yeah, this guy in particular was doing uh, a cost segregation company. So he would just continually post of examples of cost segregation, how people can benefit, really just using it to educate people. Okay, He he made the point that only like three to five percent of investors take advantage of cost segregation studies. Interesting. So it's it's this, you know, not a loophole it's part of the tax code but it's right. something that a lot of investors don't take advantage of and it's a you know it's uh, it's like a tax deferral that is you know it's huge
0: right you, you right. can
1: front load a lot of the depreciation in the you know first several years and and show a mm-hmm. loss and carry that forward and yeah i mean for the cost of a $5000 study like you can create a, a lot of a uh, big tax deferral
0: yeah and that's uh, obviously with apartments there's a number of apartments that could have cost segregation. So that's interesting to me as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Apartments are a great multifamily is a great, you know, asset class that, that yeah, definitely eligible for cost segregation studies.
0: Yeah. So who, who have been your other favorite guests that you've had on?
1: So I really love stories of like transformation. There's a couple of guys um, that I loved. Sean Sweeney is a guy up in Minneapolis who does infill development. He, uh, just an interesting guy. He started as a receptionist at a, uh, development firm in San Francisco. Okay. He just, he knew he wanted to get, he was considering as a young guy, just like law school. He was uh-huh. considering being an actor. Wasn't really sure like what he wanted to do. Started kind of getting turned on to real estate and just took a job as a receptionist for several years just to get, Yeah, it was like a, it wasn't Trammell Crow, but it was an offshoot of Trammell Crow okay. that, um, that he worked for just to learn. And uh-huh you know, kind of humbled himself, was willing to do anything really just to kind of get in the game. And I think that's a theme that, I don't know, I just like that, those kind of stories. And he's since gone on to, he's, I don't know, probably mid forties now, but he's had a great career and done some really cool projects in, in Minneapolis. There's another guy that, uh, again, kind of with the theme of transformation, this Mm -hmm. guy was like just down and out in his twenties, like His life was, you know, he's on drugs. He was deeply in debt. He was married and, you know, ready to get divorced. Kind of just went through this, I don't know, personal transformation, though. And he lives in a little town called Opelika, Alabama, which at the time, like, was this totally depressed town. But he just started, like, one house at a time fixing the place up Mm -hmm. and just kind of taking responsibility for his little town yeah and over time like he's he's renovated like a 10 square block area both commercial and residential stuff and like totally transformed this town like to the point where it's now a place where you know he he's kind of focused on food and beverage stuff and so Mm -hmm. he calls them like iconic restaurants like iconic restaurants that people will drive an hour or two just to like check out and right you know there's another guy he calls it the halo effect where you just build something that's Uh super cool. And then as a result, like everything around it becomes the real estate becomes more expensive, more valuable. Everything starts to get fixed up. Um, uh, And this particular guy, he said, instead of gentrification, he called it redemptification, Hmm. which I really liked because he, you know, I think developers, builders in general can get a bad rap that, you know, they're gentrifiers. He's like, no, 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 no. Like I'm taking really shitty stuff that, (laughs) Uh, you know that nobody wanted, and, right. and redemptifying the whole the whole neighborhood, and and creating businesses and a, a great place for people to live and work. So That's stuff like really that. Cool. I, I love guests like that that are doing, you know, using real estate not just for the financial benefits it provides, right. but really making a difference in in people's lives is pretty cool.
0: Well, I think I uh, if I can shoot your horn I, when I visited you. In 2017, in Columbus, you took me on a tour of the houses that you were doing, and really, you could tell that you were changing that neighborhood as well. It's fun, yeah. I mean,
1: like it it doesn't take a lot. Just you know, like I say, it's just simple stuff, like picking up trash. Like this is a crappy neighborhood where people (laughs) just didn't take pride, and and you know, it's little things like that. You start fixing a place up, and the whole boat kind of whatever the tide rises and yeah, it, yeah. It, it improves the whole place. And that's continued to happen in that neighborhood. It's been, you know, whatever, how many years since you've been down there? Six, six years, it's 2017.
0: Or so. but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's
1: continued to improve and it's like, you know, cool bars and restaurants and art galleries and just like really cool stuff that has gone in there that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a good thing all around.
0: And houses aren't selling for $10,000 anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> Thanks and to that, you. You know, that Partly, was part yeah. of
1: why I changed, you know, I yeah, changed strategies. Yeah. Like the numbers no longer made sense. So that makes, the, the purchase price got kind of crazy. And it's like, no, well, this business doesn't make sense anymore. It's so. a
0: different cycle in the market. So Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, what trends, since you're getting such a wide spectrum of guests, um, are, are you getting a feeling of what trends are coming up for the end of 2023 and 2024 for real estate?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say, like, I'm really just kind of hyper-focused on my little neck of the woods. So, I mean, I, you know, I hear stuff like in terms of like seller financing and people concerned about, you know, where rates are headed Mm -hmm. and things like that. And I think there will be fallout obviously from rates being high. Um, but but we'll see, I I don't know. I I do think finding a niche and niching down further and further and further is like a really key thing to do Mm -hmm. for, for, as an investor. Um, You know, and there's so many out there, but like getting really good at just one thing um, and being, you know, you got to have it time it right. You got to like make sure that you're in terms of the market cycle, you're not at the tail end of it. I think there's some things that, you know, right just right now just don't make sense. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people are just like pencils down. I don't think that's probably, I think you have to constantly be evaluating whatever your niche is. Like you've got to stay in the market and know what's going on. Um, you know, and just, just, uh, not check out. Like you have just gotta just be in the game constantly.
0: Yeah. I really like that. Um, in the Pacific Northwest market, for twenty plus years, you could be an investor and make a ton of mistakes, and mm-hmm. and the market would bail you out. And I've seen so many people make money even when they weren't really doing what you just said of paying attention to the details.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So
0: I would say for my listeners, hearing that that being the best asset manager you could be for apartments, especially, it takes on a new meaning now yeah. as the as everything's been tightening up.
1: Yeah, no doubt.
0: And yeah, that could, you know, like I said, people, I can go into stories from my end, but you could not be an expert and make money. And I'm seeing what you're, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I agree with what you're saying is now, now becoming more skilled at what you're doing and knowledgeable what what you're doing as an investor, uh, especially as an asset manager with multifamily makes so much more sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I haven't had a ton of multifamily guys on the podcast. There is Mm -hmm. a guy, um, who was kind of the same kind of progression. He and his family did 400 flips in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Yeah. Over his career, um, he got started in right at, like, the t- 2008. So yeah, in some ways, time. a good time to get started, like, in terms of buying. There was a yeah. lot of buying opportunities then. Um, but, yeah, they did 400 flips. He was living in Los Angeles, but he since moved up to Bend, Oregon. Oh, wow. Um, and did a, he had some duplexes in L.A. that he – did a ten thirty one, you know, and ended up buying a bunch of multifamily stuff in the Midwest. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so just again, just kind of like sniffing out where the opportunities are and right. um, taking advantage of the the uh, whatever, whether it's a ten thirty one or a cost segregation study. There's a lot of tax uh, savings plans or whatever you want to call them that are out there that uh, this guy took advantage of, and I think he's doing great now. You know, he. Somehow he manages it remotely, and uh, you know I, I I think he's doing quite well in the multifamily space.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's amazing how how people can do things remotely now, mm-hmm. which was never possible before. Right, right. You know, so. Yeah, I mean,
1: he'll do on-site visits every I don't mm-hmm. know every month or quarter. I'm not sure what what his frequency is, but yeah, I mean, right. mostly it's uh he's got a good team in place and people he trusts, and I I think is uh you know. Doing it pretty well, doing it remotely.
0: That sounds cool. It sounds like you're really, you can obviously tell you can really, you're really enjoying your, your investing work, but also your podcasting work. And it sounds like you're really having a good time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love to learn just in general. And so that's the kind of the beauty of podcasting, I think, is like just having on guests that are super smart, doing super interesting things, Mm -hmm. and then just having a conversation, you know, just sitting down, like it, it seems like a real privilege in a lot of ways to be able to get paid to do that is like, uh, I feel super lucky to, to have that as my job. And, um, you know, the real estate on the side is, is fun too. It's just, you know, it's, I grew up in a real estate family, so it's Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, as a kid I was whatever, sweeping houses and picking up trash at construction sites. And so it's just kind of, um, I don't know in my blood, but, uh, yeah, it's just fun to do projects. Uh, I think I'll always do them to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, depends, you know, who knows where where they'll go. But uh, it's just fun to to build stuff and and do projects.
0: Well, That sounds really cool. We'll have to have your wife on and talk about her. Yeah, she'd love to uh, her expertise with the 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 therapy and counseling and my sports psychology background. Yeah, it, she would love to. Interested in that? That sounds really cool. Yeah. Uh, well, how can people listen to you? How can they find you on the, your podcast?
1: So we are at the Investors Podcast Network. We're a series of networks. It was originally a, a podcast called We Study Billionaires, mm-hmm. studying Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. And now we, it's like a network. So my my podcast is called The millennial, millennial Investing. You can find it under there, under Millennial Investing. There's you know tons of episodes. I think we're on close to 300 episodes that we've done. Cool. Uh, I think we've hit 10, 10 million downloads. So it's a pretty popular podcast. Wow. Um, pretty popular website. The other one we study billionaires is even it's more, it's like a hundred million uh, downloads wow. right now. So it's uh, you know, they got kind of early on in early on, not like Joe Rogan early, but like mm-hmm. in the investing space, they were one of the early investing podcasts and uh, yeah, it's a great company. And uh, I'm also pretty active on Twitter. So you can find me at J Patrick Donley on Twitter. So
0: great. I'll put those in the program notes so people can see them easily.
1: Awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, Patrick, great. Thanks for taking your time out of your obviously busy schedule to be with us today. And uh, I really love hearing your insight on how you're getting access to other people's secret sauce. And we'll (laughs) uh, pay attention to follow your podcast too.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Bernie. Awesome to talk with you. And thanks for having me on.
0: Sounds great. Hope to talk to you soon. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. If you like this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to our podcast where we release new episodes weekly. If you want more information about the multifamily market, go to my firm's website, josephbrenard.net, click on the contact us page and sign up for our apartment e-newsletter. As a bonus for listening to this podcast, I will answer any apartment investing questions you may have via email at bgarrett at josephbrenard.net. That is B-G-E-H-R-E-T at josephbrenard.net.